It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On your Tuesday episode of Locked On Raptors, we continue our player review series of shows with a look at three bench pieces who may or may not be with the team going forward. Only one of them is a free agent. That's Thad Young. But Malachi Flynn, he's been uncertain through a couple seasons. Is he going to be the backup point guard of the future? Who's to say? And Ken Birch has a couple more years left on his deal, but... Does he really fit into what the Raptors are trying to do schematically? We'll get into all of that on today's show as we continue our player reviews on Locked On Raptors. Thanks for being here. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1179 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, May the, let me guess, 17th? Yeah, uh, I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. And you can follow, subscribe to, rate, review the podcast on all your favorite podcast apps for the low, low price of On The House. You can also go to YouTube and subscribe to the show. We are very, very close to 2,000 subs on the YouTube page. It would be lovely if we could hit that number short here because I love round numbers and 2,000 just feels good. Just nice to say. So please, uh, if you would be so kind, go over there, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and you get to look at my face every day, which may or may not be something to your liking. Either way, thank you so much for being here, and uh, let's continue on with our player reviews, shall we? On today's show, we're going to dig into Thaddeus Young, Malachi Flynn, and Kem Birch. Figured we didn't have a half an hour worth of content on all these guys, so we're going to start breaking these reviews up and going, uh, you know, three at a time for the next couple episodes here until we round out the Raptors roster. And these three guys are particularly fascinating because I don't know if any of them will be on the team next season. Two of them are under contract to be on the team, but it's really hard to say if they fit into the future plans. And the one guy who very clearly fits what the Raptors are trying to do is a pending UFA. So we'll dig into those guys on today's episode, which is, of course, your first listen of the day. And thank you for making that the case every single day. Uh, also, today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Prize Picks. You can go to check them out at prizepicks.com. Use the promo code NBA or go to your app store and download the the app today prize picks is daily fantasy made easy more on them in a little bit all right let's get to it 
We're going to dig into Thad Young, Malachi Flynn, and Cam Birch and sort of my big takeaways on their seasons from this season, some stats to kind of take away. Uh, we're not going to go with the same format we've done for the longer reviews just because it's a condensed time period here. So we're just going to kind of go with one big idea and then sort of a look ahead at what next season might entail for each of these guys. So we'll get to Flynn and Birch in a bit. We should start, though, with the pending UFA, the guy the Raptors traded 13 spots or so in the draft for, uh, Thaddeus Young, who played 26 games for the Raptors this season. 6.3 points, 4.4 boards, 1.7 assists, 1.2 steals, and kind of those numbers, you know, kind of muted, not exactly popping off the page or anything like that. And ultimately, his numbers overall, in terms of his on-offs, in terms of his impact, in terms of his lineup data, there's nothing that really kind of screams, oh man, Thad Young's incredible, he must be back and part of this team. But I kind of think that's the story of Thad Young's season with the Raptors, in that we never really got the full picture of what he can be with the Toronto Raptors. You know, there was a lot of talk about how this team was basically tailor-made for a guy like Thad Young, who came into the league in 2007 or whatever it was, and was a bit of a tweener, didn't really have a position. It was one of those guys where it's like, oh no, he's six foot eight. He must not fit in the NBA. And it's obviously completely been turned on its head. He's had a long and successful career and has become a really nice playmaking for, you know, sometimes small ball five in his last couple seasons. You know, the start of the year with San Antonio, not really, uh, you know, kind of in line with that that was sort of uh, he was hanging out on a team that didn't really want him they just had him as a trade ballast and of course they offloaded him at the deadline and I think with the Raptors he definitely found like a home and a team that certainly suits what you know his skills are right like he's a great passer he's a, a, a lovely playmaker he can work from the elbows and things like that he's a switchable defender who can play across multiple spots it's kind of the dream with the raptors is he as like spry and athletic as a lot of the raptors guys no because he's like 10 years older than most of them but for the most part he does kind of check a lot of the boxes and it seemed like he was kind of thrilled to be in this sort of fad young basketball utopia when he was joining when he joined the raptors and saw the whole program they have and that oh, wow there's a home for six, eight guys like me. It's like the island of misfit toys if everyone's arms were seven feet, two inches. Uh, and so, yeah, I think there's a fit here for Thad Young going forward. And I would like to see him back. And a big reason for that is that we just didn't get to see the full breadth of what Thad Young could do with the Raptors. The Raptors dealt with injury down the stretch. They dealt with sort of, you know, lineup uncertainty. And Thad Young didn't play terribly well when he first came over. A couple of kind of stinkers after the deadline when he first arrived. But then he kind of settled into a role and really, I think, showed his best when he was playing with the best players on the team. And the lineup data is just so inconclusive when it comes to Thad Young. I'm just looking at his numbers right now. I'm cleaning the glass. There was two lineups that he played more than 50 possessions with in on the whole with the Raptors this season. Uh, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Thad Young, Precious Achua, a plus 3.6 uh, over the course of 55 possessions. And then Trent, Siakam, Thad Young, Chris Boucher, Precious Achua, that lineup, a pretty sort of staple bench lineup, I would say, for the Raptors in the back part of the season with no Fred Van Vliet when Pascal was basically running point. That lineup in 54 possessions had a plus, uh, sorry, 129.6 uh, offensive rating. Really, really fantastic. A plus 27.8 net rating overall. The defense was ridiculous. A 101.8. Like that lineup kicked ass in 54 minutes. But again, we don't have a ton of sample to really draw on here and so we're kind of going blind as to what the best role and utility will be will be for Thad Young next season that said I think if you bring him back you can sort of pick and choose the lineups you put him in with 
very carefully. That bench lineup obviously worked quite well. He was playing next to two of their better bench guys at the time, and obviously Trent and Siakam offer uh, you know playmaking and shooting kind of around what Thad Young does. There was that nice simpatico we seemed to develop with Chris Boucher as well, with the baseline cuts and stuff like that, and the bounce passes from the elbow. That was all beautiful. But my thing with Thad Young, and I've said this before, I, I think he's the kind of guy who is better when he's playing with better players. When he's asked to be sort of the primary playmaker in a lineup, it's not really going to work. But when you have Pascal Siakam and Gary Trent Jr. next to you, and you're kind of the third guy who's making stuff happen and initiating, that is where Thad Young really kind of sings. Because no one's really worried about him. No one's sending extra attention his way. And he just kind of has full view of the floor to go make the passes that he knows how to make. He's got that little floater and, and stuff like that. You know, in the playoffs, he was limited because of the thumb injury, which is a bummer because he was, uh, I, I think, a, a pretty important piece in that Sixers series. And so I want to see more. It's tricky, of course, because we talked when we did the Chris Boucher review that the Raptors have about $21 million bucks worth to sign both Chris Boucher and Thad Young with if they want to keep both guys around. That's kind of what they're working with. Um, you know, Boucher obviously played himself into probably a pretty nice contract with his, you know, borderline six-man-of-the-year candidacy. He didn't get any votes for it or anything like that, but... The numbers all suggest he was one of the most impactful reserves in the NBA, and the Raptors, I'm sure, are going to want to pay him because he fits what they want to do, and that leaves the question of what does Thad Young want to do? Um, you know, he made $14.2 bucks on his last contract. I don't think he's going to make that on an annual basis on his new contract, and, you know, if you can get him back on the minimum, if you can get him back on, you know, a couple million bucks a year, $5 million or less, that's amazing, wonderful stuff. But will he want more than that? It's hard to say. You know, he's the kind of guy who, at this point in his career, I would imagine he's probably looking for a place to go and win a title, which he has not gotten to do just yet. He's made plenty of money in his NBA career. Um, and he has the interesting thing, too, and we, he talked about this down the stretch of the season. He homeschools his kids. And so his kids go with him wherever. So it's kind of on a, hey, where am I going to be happy with my family type of situation? And to me, it kind of seems like there's two options. One, he sticks with the Raptors on a pretty reasonable team-friendly contract, or he goes back to Chicago. Chicago, where he was notably loved and where he had his best years as a pro and where he would be sorely, sorely needed on a team that doesn't really have much in the way of extra playmaking outside of DeMar and Zach Levine and I guess Nikola Vucevic. But then you've got, uh, you know, not a ton in terms of wing defense and things like that too. Small ball options if you want to go and play that at the five, which they did in the past. So those are kind of the two outlooks or outcomes I see here is him sticking with the Raptors because of the obvious fit with his skill set or going back to a place where he's already established that he can be successful. And I guess it'll kind of just be up to him. But if I'm the Raptors, I'm trying to keep him around. And whatever I'm not giving to Chris Boucher from that, you know, $21 million thereabouts pool, I'm probably just going to say, hey, Thad, you know, stick around. Here's $7 million bucks for one year or something like that. Try to keep him in-house. Yeah, have his bird rights. That was something Masai Ujiri talked about the very day he announced the trade or the day after the deadline when he talked about the trade. You know, that seemed to be something they valued. And, you know, it's a valuable thing to have. Bird rights. So you can go over to the cap to sign your guys. That's a very, very important thing to have, especially when you're a team like the Raptors that has already got a lot of money committed and is going to have more money committed going forward as extensions start to come up and things like that. So I don't think it'll be like a long-term contract for Thad. I could see like maybe a one-year sort of seven or eight million bucks is kind of the like the peak balloon payment or something like that. If you can keep him around for one season, maybe a team option for the year following, something along those lines. And if you get something better from Chicago or somewhere else, 
then you know he's probably going to go ahead and take that. But the way he spoke about the Raptors and how he fit the scheme and how he fit the sort of culture of the team, how it became just sort of this wonderful place for six nine guys to go and be six foot nine guys. Um, you know, I, I do have a lot of hope that he's back, and I think it would be really cool to see him in Toronto for a full season to actually get some real data on what works and you know can he play alongside the Raptors' best players? Can he be a small ball center option to help fill in those minutes where obviously they don't have an obvious center right now? Precious Achua, to me, is the guy who's going to eat up 30-plus minutes at that spot next season, hopefully. Um, but Thad Young is an insurance policy, is a bit of a sort of more steady option, I think would be a really nice guy to have around. And if you can get a little bit more shooting to dot in those bench units as well, I think that would be uh, super, super valuable. And he's got a bit of a track record of playing well with the bench guys and Gary Trent Jr. and stuff like that. So here's hoping. I, I want Thad back big time. And he just like as a side note, he's such a delight to watch, man. He's just such a fun, cool, interesting player who has this, this very sort of meandering career arc sort of on the sidelines, kind of in the weeds with, you know, some lesser teams, the Wolves, the Pacers, etc. And, you know, now he's this sort of really valued player type, especially for what the Raptors are doing. And he throws cool-ass passes. What else could you want from a bench player than a guy who throws cool-ass passes? You know what I like. If you listen to this podcast, you know what kind of gets me going as a basketball fan. And it's basically everything that Thad Young does. So, I'm hoping he's back. We'll see. We'll ca obviously track that throughout the offseason, but there's your season review of one Thaddeus Young. On the other side, we're going to talk about Malachi Flynn, who I admittedly am less bullish on than I am on Thaddeus Young, and who I don't know if he's going to be a long-term fixture on this team after what we saw this season. It's hard to say because there were some flashes, there were some goods, there were some highs, there were also some lows. We're going to get into all of that with Malachi Flynn in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks. You've been looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA for years, and now you've got one. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. All you got to do is you got to have two to five players in your lineup that you pick, and you take an over under on their projections. You can win it 10 times on any entry, and it's just you against the projected numbers. That's the way it should be. There's no shadow expert behind the scenes setting a lineup that you haven't seen before you put your lineup in. You're just picking against the projections that is awesome prize picks is safe and it offers fast withdrawals and you can use it on the award-winning app on both the app store and the google play store prize picks offers any prop you can think of you got points scored rebounds even steals and you can do mixed sport entries as well so if you're a baseball head and a basketball fan maybe you've got the blue jays on your mind and you got game one heat celtics on your mind and you want to combine a vlad uh, prize picks entry with i don't know jason tatum or jimmy butler whoever it might be you can go ahead and do that at the site no problem whatsoever for a limited time prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer offer for all our users users get 50 bucks for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point but you must use the code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to all Locked On listeners. Sign up today. Use the code NBA for 50 bucks for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. That is prize picks, daily fantasy made easy, not available in Canada. So this is just for our American listeners in select states. Check if your state does have prize picks by going to the website today. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar, who have changed the game with, with protein bars, and now they're doing it with their birthday cake Built Puffs. I am not a marshmallow fan, I really am not, but the birthday cake Built Puffs, all the Built Puffs are fantastic, and I really dig them because A, they're sweet and delicious and they feel like a lovely confection, but actually they're pretty darn good for you as well. You're getting 16 grams of protein and just 150 calories and something that tastes like a full-on treat from a, you know, I don't know, you bought it at the front of the, the, the deli or the deli, I don't know, the store, the, the, the place that sells the sweets. It's right there for you, but it's not 
bad for you in any way. It's just there. It's got the protein. It's only nine grams of sugar, which marshmallows typically are like all sugar, as I understand it. So you're only getting nine grams of sugar. It's about a, you know a quarter of what you're getting in you know your typical uh, protein bar, or whatever it might be. Really, uh, sorry, typical candy bar, not protein bar. Uh, yeah, it's wonderful. 150 calories, 16 grams of protein. Go and get yourself some Built Puffs right now. They got birthday cake flavor. They got other flavors as well, but birthday cake is the one they're really pushing right now. Go to built.com. Use the promo code locked 15 and get 15% off your order. That's the promo code locked 15 for 15% off of built.com. Get yourself some birthday cake puffs. All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day, digging now into the season that was for Malachi Flynn. And look, I know the Raptors have a vaunted development system, and there's this compulsion to assume that everyone who comes into the system is going to get raptored and become uh, you know, a very good rotation player or an all-star or something like that down the line. That's just not how it always works, and there are always going to be guys who don't quite hit. And to me, I think I'm kind of there with Malachi Flynn. And I don't like being there because he's a guy who could be a very important piece to this team. We know that this team needs someone to help absorb the burden of Fred Van Vliet, to keep him from playing 40 minutes a night, to keep his bones from grinding into dust over the course of an 82-game season. They need some backup ball-handling help, whether it's in the form of a 6'9 guy who can dribble or a 6'1 guy who can dribble. They need somebody to help take some of the onus off of Fred Van Vliet. And, you know, look, I, I think down the stretch of the season when Fred was obviously, you know, out of the lineup quite a bit and sort of wasn't the primary focus as Pascal Siakam became more of a heliocentric type player, you know, I think that's actually a setup that could probably work for Fred Van Vliet down the line. You pare down the minutes a little bit, less on ball duties, maybe that's how you preserve him. But either way, Malachi Flynn had a shot to really snatch that job as the backup point guard. And he had a couple shots throughout the season. He just never really did it, and the one time where he did show some flashes, which was right after the All-Star break when Fred was out, he went and got hurt, and that sucks. I feel terribly for him because that really could have been his shot to establish himself and get a foothold in the NBA for the long term. My problem is, is four games is just not enough. And we've seen now quite a bit of Malachi Flynn. We've seen him play in 91 games over two seasons. The bubble season, sorry, the Tampa season, not the bubble season, the Tampa season, I really don't know how to sort of evaluate that. I think a lot of the stuff that we saw in the back part of the Tampa season was kind of fool's gold. And we'll get to that in the final segment when we talk about Ken Birch as well. But remember, we were like over head over heels about Freddie Gillespie because, wow, they have a center, finally. Uh, head over heels over, you know, Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month, Malachi Flynn. It's just, I don't know if that was real. And I think I'm going to go with sort of the larger sort of sample of things here that suggest that he's just not a terribly efficient player who hasn't really found a way to be effective in the NBA. And look, I know the circumstances are not ideal. He came into the NBA out of college as a polished pick and roll ball handler, the kind of guy who you can give it to. He's not going to turn the ball over. He's going to run your offense like a capable adult. And that's what he did. That was his whole bag. I think he was something like the 98th percentile in terms of pick and roll ball handlers efficiency in college in his final season. Really impressive. He gets drafted to a team that doesn't run nearly any pick and roll. Like it's a lot of dribble handoff stuff. It's a lot of ISO. It's a lot of post-ups. It's a lot of just get it to the big guy and have him go and matchup hunt. And Malachi Flynn doesn't quite fit into that. Look, they can certainly work in more pick and roll, but he hasn't had a lot in terms of like good pick and roll ball handler, sorry, pick and roll partners in terms of screeners for him. That's just not something the Raptors have prioritized in their roster building. 
And it's just been a difficult set of circumstances for Malachi Flynn to take off. But when he has had moments where he's been given starts, when he's, you know, because COVID has happened and he's been able to sort of get some extended run, outside of that four-game stretch after the All-Star break this season, he really hasn't done a ton. He's played 91 games now. He's taken 523 career shots in the NBA, 258 threes. He's 32.6% on threes, 33% this season on 90 attempts. Uh, overall, on those 523 shot attempts, his career true shooting percentage is just 48.5, which is like early season Precious Achua numbers. Not good at all. And the thing with Malachi Flynn, what do the Raptors need from their second unit? They've got the dudes who crash and cause chaos and jump on the boards. They have a couple of starters sprinkled in there normally. But what, what what's the reason why I am pushing for Gary Trent Jr. to be the sixth man next season? They need some damn shot making. They need some three-point shooting in their reserve unit. And Malachi Flynn, in theory, should be offering that, but he just has never figured it out. Teams don't exactly load up on him when he's getting downhill. He has a lot of open looks. He has a lot of open corner threes, and they just have not fallen at a rate that I think you need from a guy who is supposed to be that extra outlet, that sort of offensive boost, who, with six points off the bench, can help steady a second unit and get you to the point where you bring your starters back in and you haven't bled a ton of points. The Raptors are always going to defend when their second unit's out there. Chris Boucher, Precious Achua are fantastic, or were fantastic this season. Thad Young was in there. You obviously usually had a, a Fred or a Scotty or a Pascal. Very good defenders across the board. Like, that's fine. You just need someone to help score a few buckets in those in-between lineups. And Malachi Flynn, in theory, should be that guy, but he just hasn't been. And I think at some point, you know, you have to sort of look at the way the team is built, the way they clearly have prioritized size and defensive versatility. And as much as Malachi Flynn has been a bit of an annoyance when it comes to defense, like he gets into passing lanes and stuff. He, he had some moments against James Harden, for example, which were really impressive and all of that. He has not been, you know, a guy who's driven effective offense or, or, or effective defense for the Raptors overall. Just pulling up his numbers here on cleaning the glass, when he's been on the floor, when he was on the floor this season, the defense got five points per 100 possessions worse when he was out there. So, you know, while he does make those sort of highlight plays, he doesn't drive defense when he's out there. And look, he was playing in some tough lineups. I, I, I'm certain that number is sort of clouded by that game in Cleveland on Boxing Day where they lost by like 50 because they had five players available and Flynn was one of them. Like that is all sort of the noise that goes into these numbers, but none of these numbers really pop. There's not really something that stands out as something that's like, oh, well, yeah, this guy, he's going to be the reason why the team gets better you know, when he's on the floor. He's driving this specific thing. You know, he doesn't turn the ball over. That's nice. But, he, you know, the rebounding kind of craters when he's out there, the offensive rebounding went down significantly. The defensive rebounding, when he was on the floor, the Raptors had a third percentile offensive rebounding percentage when he was out there. It just there's not a lot of things that really scream Malachi Flynn should be playing a lot of minutes for this team. And that sucks. I, I'm rooting for the guy. I, like, I don't want guys to not be in the NBA. I want guys to succeed. I want Raptors guys to succeed because it helps the Raptors win. I am just not sure if Malachi Flynn's that guy. And if I'm the Raptors and I'm looking for something with my mid-level exception, I think my first target is a ball handling, you know, either a wing or a point guard, whatever you want to call it, someone who can actually dribble and run some offense and run some possessions and make it so you don't have to have Fred out there all the time, and maybe make some damn shots. And again, I think Gary Trent Jr. going to the bench, ideally, would help with that. 
but like you just need a little bit more from that backup point guard spot if you're going to have a backup point guard. And so if they can go get themselves a DeLon Wright or someone like that, I think that is, uh, you know, as much as DeLon's not like a great three-point shooter or anything like that, he's been a better three-point shooter than Malachi Flynn has in his career. And he obviously does a little bit more in terms of defense and getting downhill and, you know, putting rim pressure and stuff like that too. So it sucks. I I don't want this to be Malachi Flynn's lot in the NBA. I want him to get some success. I want him to find a place where he can be, you know, uh, you know, a a guy who gets some run and some actual earnest playing time. It's always been a chicken or egg thing with him, right? It's does he need the playing time to really find himself and get comfortable? Or does he need to actually prove he's worthy of playing time before getting it? You know, we don't see them in practice. We don't see what's going on when, you know, behind the scenes and stuff like that. So it's hard to say the full picture of why Nick Nurse doesn't necessarily trust the guy. But uh, you know, over the course of a full season, if you can't really run with it when you have a few opportunities, and he did have a few opportunities, you know, he played 44 games this season. It's not like he was, you know, glued to the bench the whole time. But when he got those opportunities, he rarely ran with it outside of that one time where he got hurt. And that sucks. That's extremely unfortunate. But sometimes I think you just got to take a bit of an L when it comes to the development. And, and, you know, Flynn is not the kind of guy who they've had a lot of success with in the past when it comes to development. Obviously, Fred Van Vliet is one thing. He's a completely different animal. And I think the comparisons to Malachi Flynn and Fred Van Vliet were always unfair to Flynn because Fred is just like this individual, incredible development story. And I think in some ways, Flynn was almost set up to fail because he was kind of in the footsteps of of Fred Van Vliet and Kyle Lowry. And there was just this assumption that, oh, he's going to go and be the point guard of the future now. And he's going to walk in and and be a guy who makes those steady year-by-year progression steps. Maybe he still does. Maybe he's he's back next season. They picked up his third-year option at the earlier part of the season. Maybe he's back. But I could totally see a world in which he gets dealt this offseason, maybe at the draft for an extra second or a late first or something like that for some team that's desperate for a look at a point guard. Maybe. Maybe that's ambitious. You're probably not getting a first from Malachi Flynn at this point, but packaged with something else, who's to say? I, I think there will probably be some taker out there for him if the Raptors want to sort of reorganize how they're they're assembling their roster. Um, and, you know, he makes a first-round salary and all that stuff, so it's not insignificant, even though he was the 29th pick. It's, it's tough. And, and look, it's easy to be like, wow, Desmond Bain was picked one spot behind Malachi Flynn. And look, he was picked one spot behind Malachi Flynn, and that will be something that I think bothers people for a long time. But... This is the late part of the draft. It's a crapshoot. Sometimes you get Pascal Siakam. Sometimes you get Desmond Bain. Sometimes you get Deontay Davis or Scalabissier, or in this case, Malachi Flynn. And it's not really, I think, all that on the the front office in a lot of cases. I kind of think that part of the draft, as much as so many people put great work into it and know, you know all these guys inside and out, it's hard to really project all of these guys to the NBA. And some guys find it, some guys don't. And I just don't know if Malachi Flynn, as unfair and sort of as stacked against him as the cards have been to start his career, I just don't know if I see it with him on the Raptors. So we'll see. I, I would imagine he's probably back next season just because they picked up that option. But there's a world in which he's not and that they just kind of cut bait and move on. And I, I don't think that's something to sort of like, you know, be overly upset about. I don't think it changes the course of the team all that much. It just kind of gives them a new hole to try to fill with hopefully a more effective player. And look, I would love to be wrong. I've been wrong about guys in the past, man. I was wrong about Chris Boucher big time. And if this is a Chris Boucher turnaround situation, fantastic. I will eat that crow all day long. But at this point, based on what I've seen, based on what the numbers suggest, I don't know if it's going to be there for Malachi Flynn as much as that might anger his Facebook, uh, his Facebook using dad. Uh, we're going to continue on here. 
We're going to round out the show. We're going to talk about Kem Birch and where he fits in going forward on this Raptors team. An interesting case, Kem Birch, who had a very, I think, uh, difficult season to evaluate as well. Kind of the running theme here with Flynn, Thad Young, and Kem Birch. Almost like I chose those three guys to pair together for a reason. That's coming up in just one second. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at betonline.ag. They continue to be the number one source for all your sports betting needs and info. Excuse me, that's betonline.net. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, even next year's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering info from live betting. you get got the playoffs, esports, Vegas casino games, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device. Learn more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is where the game starts. Why don't you go down and put a little money on your Toronto Blue Jays tonight against the Seattle Mariners? They're turning it around, baby, right? It's coming. It's happening. They're going to get back on track, right? 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 Bet online where the game starts. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. All right, let's continue on here with your look at Kem Birch's season, a review of what Kem Birch did for your Toronto Raptors this season. He played 55 games, started 28, 18 minutes a game, four and a half points, 4.3 boards, one assist, half a steal, half a block, uh, shot 52% on two pointers, uh, did not hit a three until the postseason where he hit two, which was hilarious. Um, and I think really kind of failed to reach the heights he did during the 2020-21 season after he signed with the Raptors. He played 19 games. He had 12 a game, 7.6 boards, two assists. He was really, really fantastic in that back part of the season. But again, garbage time. The, the, the back part of that Tampa season means nothing to me in terms of like actual earnest takeaways because that's not what the Raptors are, right? That's not what the team context is actually going to be. And so like not playing 30 minutes a game, of course he was going to see a drop back in terms of his overall effectiveness, but he saw a lot of dropbacks in terms of his stats from that back part of the season with the Raptors and more or less was the player he was in Orlando, which is a fine rotation big, but not someone you're starting or anything like that and feeling good about it. Even though he did start 28 games, you know, his two point percentage went from 61.4% in those 19 games with the Raptors to close the Tampa year down to 52.2 this season. The floater, you know, was kind of hot and cold. He ended up shooting 50% from three to 10 feet, which is not bad, but you know, with that being really the shot that he's relied upon for, you would like to see probably a little bit better than that. He was just 59% at the rim as well, which is not great for a big man. Um, you know, and then outside of 16 feet, he didn't take a single shot uh, or didn't hit a single shot. Very rarely did he fire it up from outside there. So yeah, just uh kind of an incomplete season. And I feel really badly for Ken Birch because it is very much an incomplete sample of what he's going to be. And it was such a disjointed season as well. You know, he comes in, he plays the first 10 games and he misses three. Then he plays the next five games and he misses 13. 
Then he plays the next, what is it, eight games, and then he misses 10 games, and then he comes back for the back part of the season in February when the team had already kind of started to gel around Pascal Siakam. Precious Achua is emerging at that point. Chris Boucher has obviously turned things around and is a couple months into that, and there just wasn't a ton of room for Kem Birch down the stretch of the season. He missed another game later on in the season with knee stuff. And, you know, he kept getting hit in the face. He broke his nose. He had the knee thing. And so I think there's a better player in Ken Birch than what we saw this season because it was so disjointed, because there was so little in terms of consistency of role and stuff like that. You know, he, he started quite a bit down the stretch, which really more or less kind of felt ceremonial in a lot of cases. And I found myself rooting for him to get out of the lineup so they could bring in Precious and Chris Boucher. And, you know, they started him in the playoffs as well in the last four games, which I didn't think was a bad idea considering the foul trouble you're trying to avoid when you're guarding Joel Embiid, how difficult that is. So, you know, that was its own thing. But I, I just, I have a hard time evaluating what Ken Birch actually is because, you know, a lot of the numbers suggest he was pretty effective when he was out there. The team performed well when he was on the floor. You know, the lineup that he played in the most was with, Let's see it here. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, Ken Birch. That lineup was not very good. At minus 2.7 uh, differential per 100 possessions. But the lineup that was second most commonly played in by Ken Birch, Van Vliet, Gary Trent Jr., OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam, and Ken Birch. 112 possessions, a plus 9.4 net rating, 126.8 offensive rating. Really, really, really strong. Kind of in the same, in the same vein as that Thad Young lineup, excuse me, with the bench, um, in terms of the overall effectiveness. And... You know, look, I, I think it's hard to say because, like, the defense sort of didn't perform consistently well when he was on the floor. That was kind of his biggest thing, right, is the defense was not there. The offense, I think, it worked because he's a good screen setter. He gave extra space to the guys he was screening for. He was an awesome offensive rebounder, 88th percentile in terms of driving offensive rebounding per cleaning the glass when he was on the floor. That's really great. But the defense, I thought, was really the thing that let him down this season. And that's where I don't know how to properly evaluate it because... He was looking slow this year. He had the knee stuff. He had the face stuff. And you got to wonder, with a full offseason to kind of rest and recover, hopefully you get him back in for next season, you know, is he a more spry and capable defender at the back line like he was at the end of the Tampa season? Or is he more like your fourth big and you just kind of roll with him and he's a break glass in case of emergency type of guy? It's hard to say. He's on a two-year, he's got two more years of contract left after this one, 6.7 mil next season and 7 million after that. So, like, he could, in theory, be, like, a candidate to put into a trade just as salary matching, um, if that's something that could happen this offseason, if they're looking for, you know, a, a different sort of look or a roster balancing deal, or if they're trying to make a big trade, for example. You know, I, I'm not, not that anyone wants to see this. We will talk about this on future episodes, of course, but, like, Rudy Gobert, for example, if the Raptors are going to pull that off because Rudy Gobert makes so much money, Ken Birch probably goes back as a salary matching thing, but... I would expect he's probably back on the team just because, you know, they they could use some extra big man depth. And I do think there's a better player there than we saw this season because of how disjointed it all was. It's just really hard to get an idea of, you know, what Ken Birch's lot on this team is. Because as much as he's six foot nine and fits the size description, he's not as fast. He's not as mobile. He's not as versatile. He's not really switching out into guards and giving you much there. And so he doesn't quite fit the ethos of what the team is. But you need to have bigs, right? Like, you need some big depth there in case someone gets hurt, in case you need someone to sort of collect a bunch of fouls against a really good opponent. And look, he's a pretty decent sort of, you know, brick shit house of a, de of a defender as well for those bigger matchups. So it's not bad to have him around. He's probably the strongest guy on the team, non-OG division, which is, again, a, a valuable thing in your, you know, 10th or 11th man. 
I just don't know if you can go into next season thinking Ken Birch is your answer as the starting center or anything like that. It was a fun thing to try out this year, but I think for me, he's more of a sort of depth piece who comes in in case of injury or specific matchup stuff. Maybe you're looking for a big offensive rebound or something like that. He was really damn good at that. Uh, <laughs> really, really effective when he was on the floor driving offensive rebounding. So yeah, it's hard to say. I, I, you know, I think he'll be back, but I'm not terribly enthused unless he's like the fourth, fourth big man, in which case that's probably a perfect spot for him to really operate third big man, whatever, however you want to divide it all up there. Who there's no positions on this team. He could be the second shooting guard for all I care. Uh, you know, as an 11th or 10th man, I think that's the, the best sort of role for him. If he's your seventh man, you're probably in some trouble. With that, we're going to round out the show. Uh, this was kind of a sadly negative episode. I don't know why. Like, Thad, I love, uh, and I hope he's back. But Flynn and Birch were probably two of the bigger disappointments this season in terms of their performance, in terms of, like, what the Raptors could have used from them, considering they didn't have a ton of big man depth, considering they didn't have a ton of backup ball handling. Like, those guys had opportunities to really run with it. Cam, I kind of give a bit more of a pass to because he kept getting hit in the face and all that. Um, and, you know, Flynn got hurt too. And that's that's a difficult thing to stomach as well. But for me, like, if you are looking at the teams in the final or the conference finals, for example, like, none of those teams are playing either Malachi Flynn or Ken Birch right now in terms of big minutes or minutes at all, right? Like, those are deep bench guys on the really great teams in the NBA. And if you can have those guys deep in your bench where you're not relying on them too much and maybe they pop for you on the random night, maybe they have a good game and sort of build up and, and sort of establish themselves with more of a role over some time, that's great. But if you're going in counting the, on them being like your eighth and ninth men next season... I think that's probably a mistake. And so we'll have to see how the Raptors adjust the rotation and the roster around them because like getting enough from that back part of the bench was such a sore spot for the Raptors this season. They completely just, you know, for the first half of the season, were so dependent on their starters to get it done. You know, so many nights where the bench would put up eight points and the starters would put up 100. And it's like, oh, okay, good stuff. The starters were great. But as the season went along, some inconsistency creeped in, some injury creeped in. You know, Gary Trent Jr. stopped hitting every goddamn shot in the world. That created a, a bit of a circumstance where you needed more from your bench guys and they just didn't get it. So, um, you know, if there is something to be worried about, I, I think it is that depth. And I, I think Kem and Malachi Flynn are certainly potential guys who could be sort of shuffled out in place of replacements. Uh, and then Thad Young, hopefully they can keep him around because, man, that guy's cool as hell. Anyway. With that, we're going to round out today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow as we continue to dive into the player reviews. We're also waiting on the all-defense and all-NBA teams to be announced, and that's the last thing we need before we can review our preseason over-unders and decide who wins between myself, Vivek, and Sahal. So we will probably have one of those episodes this week. I can't imagine they'll go another week. They did MVP last week. I would guess they'll probably do all-defense or all-NBA or both this week, so we'll keep an eye out for those. Um, also on Friday, Louis Zatzman for Raptors Republic is going to pop by and we are going to dig into what a successful offseason would look like for the Raptors, kind of plot out the ideal offseason, if you will. So that's coming up on Friday with our pal Lewis as well. So thank you very much for tuning in. And sorry for missing the episode on Monday. I had a migraine kick in around the afternoon when I was going to record, and I just could not talk into a bright light for half an hour without uh, having my brain melt from the inside. So apologies for that. Thanks for, for understanding. And we'll be back again tomorrow and for the rest of the week with regular episodes. As we do, we'll be here all day, every day for the next, I guess, half an hour every day for the next uh, many, many months into the offseason and things like that, too. So thanks for being here. Please go support the podcast by subscribing on your favorite audio apps and subscribing on YouTube as we push toward 2,000 subs. And uh, you can now go make your second listen of the day, Locked On Blue Jays, as our pals Ben and Matt over there are breaking down everything you need to know about the Jays who have been struggling bad lately. 
Their offense is uh, real stinky, but they got a good game in last night, beating the Mariners. That's cool. Bo Bichette looking great. Go listen to Lockdown Blue Jays if you are looking to get back in on the Jays now that the Maple Leafs have gone and done the thing where they lose. Uh, which, boy, that's sad. Go listen to Lockdown Leafs too, I suppose, for that depression. Anyway, thank you very much. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Bye-bye. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.